What's up? What's going on, brother? No much. Yeah, can you see me all right? Yeah, it's like sideways, though. Oh, how does it need to be like this? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. How you been? Man, I've been doing good. You know, the, the hustle and bustle of it all. That's but uh, been making it work. Um, congrats on your film. I watched it. Actually, I really, I really like that. It's actually a pretty good film. Um, Oscar, you're on the Oscar consideration list for a documentary feature. Future. Uh, Boy's best it? picture. I mean, I mean, it's the best picture. I thought it was future. Yeah, you know what was crazy was originally um, I was on the list for best feature documentary, and um. I didn't make the short list, but then when the best picture list came out, I made the best picture list. Oh, dope, dope, dope. So yeah. like, how does that feel? At? What was it like your first reaction to that? Well, you know, this whole journey has just been something that's never been done before. You know what I mean? Um, I think that the spark that this film will ignite amongst filmmakers and amongst just a community of believers is... We don't even know. We can't even fathom to imagine what that would be. You know what I mean? Um, but personally, oh, man, it's been amazing. It's been like every day I wake up, it's something new. You know what I'm saying? It's new uncharted territory. So at this point, I'm just riding the wave on, you know, what the possibilities could be. Has the industry treated you differently from the film? Because, like, you would think they like, would probably feel a way about it, but you don't know. Well, here's the thing. What you got to realize about the movie is the there is like I'm the first. So there are nuances in the movie. Hello. Yeah. You My good? bad. Yeah, somebody's trying to call me something like that. There are nuances in the movie that I don't think people really understand what they're watching until maybe you know several takes after they watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and some of those nuances are understanding exactly what you're seeing. Like this, everything in the movie is real, and not only is it real, as in the true story, it's shot in real time. Like you're seeing the scenes when they happen. And um, you know, I, I get people who watch the movie and then ask me, Well, what was real and what was fake? And I'm like, none of it was fake. You just <laughs> you just watch what actually happened, you know what I mean? But um, you've never seen that in a film before, so it's like one of those things, like, look at Borat, right? I like, I like Borat. It's a great movie. But the things in Borat are actually fake. It's meant to look real. Or the things in um, Blair Witch are fake. It's meant to look real. In this movie, they're actually real. So that's one thing. The other thing that you have to understand about the movie is the events that take place happened five years ago. So the person who I am today is still the same person in the movie but the character has of Gatsby, think about where you were five years ago. You know what I'm saying? So you've grown so much in five years. Gatsby, the character, has grown so much in five years. So it was like when people people like, yo, has the industry treated you different? Well, they have no reference point because, mind you, they still only experience, they still haven't, most of these people haven't seen the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like the the first, it, it wasn't like the climax scene in the movie with the Oscar, right? It was like, it wasn't like I ever got caught. You know what I'm saying? So through a lot of these people, I still have won an Oscar today. You know what I'm saying? It's not until probably the hype of what 
you know, I need, I went with a small distribution company. Um, so it wasn't like it was a huge PA budget and everyone knows about this story. So most of these people who you see in the film, they still only know me from the perspective of, oh, everyone knows Gatsby. He's won an Oscar before. He knows a lot of people. It's not until they actually watch the movie, which I predict that, you know, if I get this, you know, God willing, I get this nomination, everyone will then start to discover about this story that they'll see that. And then by then, I mean, you know, it's, it's just so far away from, you know, my personal development is so far away from the events in the film. I don't even think it's going to matter. I think it's going to just probably inspire people. I do think, now I will say this. I felt like this movie should get way more press than it's gotten right now. I feel like the level of press that the film has gotten has been very low. But I think the reason is, is because the people who are at the editor's desk. Do you feel like they like, they feel like you probably finessed them? Well, see, I think that they don't even believe that the finesse is real. I don't think they think anything is real. I think what I think is that they don't know. You get this email, like, I know you, right? I know you, and this is our third attempt to make this interview happen. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So the natural, just human nature of I'm busy plays the point in it, right? Yeah, that's true. That's an, whatever you're doing. You just, People just get busy. Life happens. Okay. There's a lot of events and stuff going on right now. So, yeah. Exactly. Then what you have played into the situation is something that I'm not used to seeing come through my desk. If you get an email that said, hey, there's a guy who has a movie out and it has every major celebrity you've ever seen on TV in this film, unbeknownst to them at the time when he shot it, they didn't know that they were in the film unbeknownst to the Oscars that the, the world thinks he's won an Academy Award that he has not won yet, and now this is up for an Oscar. That sounds so crazy in just the email subject line coming through that if that doesn't really come from somebody like the head of Paramount, you're probably going to ignore that email. It probably won't register that, wow, no, this is a, I know this is a, a, a one in a million situation, but this is actually the one in the million, you know what I mean? And so that's what I think that's been happening. I don't even think it's been a situation where they purposely are hating on the story because even if it was something from a negative standpoint, I feel that people will address, people people report bad news all the time. That's you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, it's like, oh, this is bad news. Let's not report it. No, people exploit bad news all the time. They don't know, even if this was bad news, how real or false it even is so i think that people aren't saying anything that's what that's my honest opinion so coming from like memphis what made you like want to be like what was like drew, drew you to hollywood like what like what was it like you just went you just woke up saw something on tv like yo i gotta go to hollywood or what was like the first do you remember the first moment you like oh i gotta go to hollywood yeah i didn't know what was going to be the calling card to come but I do believe, you know, experiences, it's like this. Actions are based on beliefs. Beliefs are based on experiences. So experiences are based on circumstances, right? Those are the four elements of everything of human behavior while we do what we do. So growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to be in hip hop. 
But based on my circumstance of living in Tennessee, I'm not in New York. I'm not in LA. I'm not in Atlanta. I'm not in any place where there's a mecca of entertainment. So I knew I had to do something to get to the people who could say yes or no. Or I thought I had to get to the people who could say yes or no to make my career happen. Okay. Now, locally, I was already a big fish in a small pond. You know, I was a big DJ, big party promoter. You know, 17 years old, I throw a party, snap my finger, and 2,000 teenagers show up. I was already on the radio. But I wanted to play on the world's biggest stage like all creators. That's why we all come to L.A. or New York, right? But there was one experience that happened to me that made me feel that this was possible. And that's what I talk about early in the film when uh, on senior skip day, I come to L.A. to go to the, you know, and not knowing where I was going to go. And I wound up at an award show right at the NAACP Image Awards well when I got there everyone assumed because I was 18 years old and I just happened to have on a suit that I was a childhood actor right a teenage actor and that led from that one experience to uh, a spiral of events from agents calling my phone like I'm back in high school now so I go through this weekend this crazy weekend that I didn't know I was I'm just on a plane going right and then I found out it's a nominees party. I go to the nominees party, meet some people. Everyone thinks I'm famous. And then the next day they invite me to the award show, go to the award show in the after party. And I mean, paparazzi taking pictures of me everywhere, right? That's what let me knew that it was possible for me to make my dreams come true because it haphazardly was happening and I didn't even know it just based on being in the right time at the right place. Then it let me know it was, a, it was destined for me to be, I knew it was destined for me to be in, in, in L.A. because um, that was the one place where dreams that were big were accepted. Yeah, that's true. So if you're not even in a marketplace where they're used to accepting dreams that big, it's going to be very hard. So I was like, yo, I got to come to Hollywood. And then the event that led me here, to I'm here to stay, is what you see in the movie the million dollar record deal I thought I was going to have and it fell apart. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I was like, well, I'm already out here. You know, I, and then I became infatuated with cracking the code because I'm like, if this has happened to me, I had worked 10 years, very hard in middle America. Now I'm in LA for this big record deal. The record deal falls apart in front of my face. I don't want this to ever happen to me again. So I want to meet every important person there is in Hollywood and establish a relationship with them at the highest level. And then I want to, I felt it was my just duty to put that experience in a story that I could share with other people just for more than the entertainment, just the information, just so someone else would have a blueprint. So that was what sort of drove so me to it. My bad. Speaking on the, um, like the record deal falling through a lot, it seems, did you bounce back fast? Because in the film, it seemed like you bounced back fast. Like, what was your mindset during that time? During that time, yeah, because, okay, mind you, here's the thing. I had been, it wasn't like it was my first day in L.A. ever, and I lost a million-dollar record deal. I had been trying to do this for 10 years. You know, all the things from, and that's why I thought in the beginning of the film, it's so important that you understand the backstory. I come out here when I'm 18. Crazy weekend of experience, and for the next 10 years, I'm trying to come. So even when I'm in college, I, I opened up a nightclub. I wrote a book. You see, I'm on the Steve Harvey show way before I'm in Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? So 
when I lost the record deal, obviously I was like, damn shit out of luck, but I felt it was possible because I had already had some minor successes in entertainment. I just wasn't in Hollywood doing it. And so my goal was the next day, this is a true story. And some of this stuff I couldn't even put in the movie because the movie's only 90 minutes. The next day when I woke up, the part about me making up my fake PR company to represent my interests, the Cohen, that's true. The next five o'clock in the morning, I did that. The apartment that I go to that you see in the film is my actual cousin's apartment. I slept right there on that floor. And then the part about me throwing a party for Claudia Jordan was true too. So I called Claudia to see, can I throw a party for her? The same day, I all this is happening on my second day in LA. So I make up the Cohen company and I get Claudia Jordan to say, hey, you can throw this party for me. Then I just got hungry. I literally was like, yo, I'm hungry. What do I do now? <laughs> because eventually, like I said, just the human part of life kicks in, right? And so I'm like, well, I can go to the 99 cent menu at Wendy's or I can literally just see where there's a charity event going on. So I start Googling things, right? And I started Googling keywords and found out, oh, I think it's some red carpet events going on. And I drove around in my car until I saw a red carpet event. And I literally went to the gas station, changed clothes, put on a tuxedo, and walked onto the red carpet. Now, this is the part that I couldn't explain in the movie because I didn't have the time. When I go onto the red carpet, my second day in L.A., just to get something to eat, it's police everywhere, security. Someone grabs me on my shoulder, like an older guy. He's like, oh, help me out, son, I'm falling. I turn around, and it's Sidney Portier. So Sidney Portier was like, oh, I'm, you know, he's so, I don't know where the publicist was or whatever, but I take it upon myself. This is the moment where I'm going to walk Sidney Portier into the event. Because they ain't going to check Sidney Portier. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I walk in with Sidney Portier, and then he says, hey, you know, where are you sitting at? Because, you know, I'm sitting, you know, where are you sitting at? At this charity event. I'm like, well, I'm way over there. You know, I just point to the back. He was like, oh, well, come over here and meet my friends. I'll walk over there to meet his friends. It's Oprah Winfrey and Gail King at the table with them. From that moment, that day, that moment, for the next 30 days, I did that every day. Like sometimes twice a day. And in 30 days, everyone was like, yo, who is this guy? We see him everywhere. So that's, that is the true story of how it happened. That's dope. So how do you like make a business out of that? How, how did you get income from doing that? Well, see, what I realized was before I thought about making a movie, any of this. One, I already had a PhD in throwing parties because I was a big promoter where I was from. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I had been doing this on a very serious level. I was 21 with a huge nightclub. You know what I'm saying? So I've been doing this on a serious level since I was 15. So I knew how to gather people into a space and create hype. I knew how to make an image on a flyer, send that to you, send it to enough people to where you're going to hear it from different places. And then there's hype. There's hype. built. A party is literally a fragment of the imagination. Because when you break what a party is, a party is just a room full of people standing in one space with music playing. You know, so what makes the Met Gala any different than your homeboy's barbecue? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not much difference besides the hype that goes around it. So I knew how to create that hype. 
Um, but also what I realized was nightlife wasn't going to be my end-all be-all in being in Hollywood, mainly because at the level that I'm dealing at, my peers, none of these people are going to nightclubs. This is the head of no, yeah, it's more like they probably do a brunch. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? No one's going to a nightclub. You know, this is a this is Ron Burkle, Jeff Bezos, the head of Paramount. No one is going to a nightclub. So I'm like, how do I take my expertise and apply them to a service that's going to be palatable, palatable to their to their appetite? You know what I'm saying? And I was like, what is more important than money? What is more important than, than fame? And Hollywood is really accessing information. So if you don't have the access or you don't have the information, you're going to be lost. You're one of 8 million people. But even what is accessing information? What is the end result of having the access to information? The company you keep. The only reason you get a house in a certain neighborhood or you buy a Rolls Royce is the conversation that it provokes amongst your peers, okay? So what if I had a service to literally just connect people in the circles that they wanted to be around? So when I started, my, so I first thing I did was start a consulting company. So after I, I threw that party in the first 30 days, I signed a client to a retainer, 10,000 a month. And I signed two. So now I had 20 grand. And really what I really saw why they paid me was just the people I knew. Or the people at the time that I was only here for 30 days, that I that I really, you know, were associates, but it was the appearance of the circles that I could run in. So then I started to go down that rabbit hole and started to just uh, develop a whole business around connecting people of the 1% of the world into industries that otherwise they had no idea how to get in. So it may be a guy who's in sports who wants to get into music, a guy in music wants to get into film and TV, a guy in film and TV wants to get into fine art, a guy in fine art wants to get into yachts. A guy in yachts wants to get into racehorses. And I was at all that shit. I was at Fashion Week front row, Golden Globes front row, Grammys front row. So I just sort of used all my expertise and Gatsby Randolph was going to be the perfect persona to embody all of those things. And so I just packaged that up and then I just started, you know, selling my persona and that service to connect people. Has anybody like reached out to you to be like, uh, can I get like, just to pay you to, to get on any carpet? Say it again. Has anybody reached out to you to like pay to get on a carpet? Oh, 100%. You know, like I said, like I have a whole nother business creating these bucket list experiences for the world's 1% to where like, you know, a retainer, if I, I put together a, what I call a social calendar for like these high-end clients and that can easily start, it starts at 150000 so it goes the, up. My bad. In the film, you like you kind of see like when you get like a bag of money, you start acting wild and everything. Yeah. And, like how do you how do you like come back from that? Like, okay, I need to like what made you like I need to stop being wild and like come back and start working and well what I what I you know when you never had something, you you know, you sort of gotta get it out your system, you gotta experience it. And it's not that I, I mean I was have been as an entrepreneur, you're always rich and you're always broke. <laughs> because, you know, there's gonna be ups and downs. And then even when there's ups, there's gonna be new heights you wanna experience that cost way more than what you have. You know what I mean? So um, but I thought it was very crucial to put that moment of my life in this piece because it represents 
everyone's experience who's ever gone through that. You know what I'm saying? Anyone who's ever, you know, looked as a kid, watched TV and said, yo, when I get, when I make it to the NBA, I can't wait to do this. When I become big in Hollywood, I can't wait to JV, do this. big pimping video, you know. <laughs> exactly. Everyone wants to do so. That that was something, I thought the story would be unauthentic if I didn't tell that side of it. You know what I'm saying? I had to show, yo, this is, I just wanted this, this movie to be a raw page out of the script of Hollywood. Unedited, you know, unfiltered. This is what Hollywood is, good, bad, the ugly, boom, boom, boom. And so in real life, it just got to the point where I had got used to all that shit. So I'm like, okay, what's next? You know what I mean? Like how how much champagne can I spit out? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it literally got to like, yo, how much, how many jacuzzi parties can I have? How much champagne? Like, if I eat one more shrimp cocktail, like, you know, it just got to the point where I'm just entertaining other people. You know what I mean? It, and I just, my interest in the things that fulfill me as a person, you know, became deeper. You know what I mean? I just want to create. I don't care about if it's a million people around watching me spray the champagne. I just rather be you know, in my studio creating. So that's what became more important to me. But was, I was think... There, oh, was there a certain person that was like, yo, you got to reel it back in or no? Well, that's sort of, you see that in the film, sort of my voice of reason is my best friend, Sean. So Sean is always, you know, being my my, my soundboard and telling me, hey, man, you got to watch out, reel it back in. But, you know, the reason why it was so easy, I think for people who've been in that position to go there, is this has all been a big vacation to me. It's almost like big vacation behavior, even though I've been in vacation for seven years, because you know what I'm saying? It, at a certain point, Hollywood comes off as like, this stuff was so crazy. It was never a day, like, for people who go to work every day, you know the weekend, because the weekend of the days, you don't have to get up early and go to work and do the same thing over and over. So Friday and Saturday feel a certain type of way, right? But what if you never went to work? It don't matter if it's Friday or Tuesday. It don't matter, right? So think about that on a, on a, on a bigger scale. Because I never experienced waiting tables, then going to an audition, and then maybe once a year, I get an invite to an exclusive party, and this is every day since day one. It was like a huge dream that never ended. You know what I'm saying? So... It was just this fantasy every day, every day. And I couldn't make money off of it until I realized that this fantasy was not a fantasy. It was my life. So you don't have to worry about missing this party because there will be another party. But today you should probably go edit or work on your script. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's some of the things that sort of reeled me back in. You know, you hear people say like Hollywood's like a drug. What does that, what does Hollywood mean to you? You know how people be complaining about, yo, Hollywood's a drug, you got to get out of there, da 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 Even like Kanye was like, yo, I got to go to Wyoming. What does like Hollywood mean to you? Well, this is, it's funny. There's a few things about Hollywood that no one really addresses. I don't think if anyone has broken this down to a, a, a mathematical science. I think people speak in Hollywood in things like, oh, it's a drug. Oh, it's, a, it's Hollywood. But what does that really mean? There are a few facts about Hollywood that is different anywhere else in the world. For one, Hollywood is one of the only places on earth where you can do something today and they know about it all over the world within 24 hours. 
Okay. You can go to some event today with some red carpet, see Kim Kardashian smack on the ass, and then you will be on the front page of every party uh, paper tomorrow. Okay. You can't do that. I can go smack a girl on the ass in Wyoming, and only the people in Wyoming will know about me. You know what I'm saying? So that's one fact. So the I bring the, the reason why that's important is because the things that you do here, especially as a public figure, the world knows about them instantly. Okay. The other thing that's that's specific to Hollywood is the only place for a regular person where if you watch movies your whole life or TV your whole life and you're admiring what you see in the movie, Hollywood's the only place that when you come here, all of a sudden you're in the movie. Because the places that are staples and landmarks on these movies, they're actually physically here in real life. The people who are in the movies are actually here in real life. So it's a mind trick, you know, on your brain because in your imagination, like, yo, I just saw this for the last 20 years on TV and now I'm in the room with what I've been seeing my whole life. And if you're not very, very, very grounded, that is very hard to deal with. It's hard to wrap your mind around that. You know what I'm saying? You get lost in the land of fantasy and you can't separate what's real and what's fake. So in the film, you had a um, you went to the Vanity Fair party with a with an Oscar. Was that like a real like was that real the story or? That's, see, I told you, I told you, you're doing it. <laughs> Everything you see is real. Not only is it real, you're seeing when it happened. How did you even get that? Oh, so here's the thing. You see, you're doing it again. You see, you see. See, Wayne, you are the going to be the you're going to break this story across the world. You know why? Because in this interview, you're doing exactly what I said all all editors do. And I get it because it's hard to wrap your brain around that this actually happened. So, no, because like for me, like even when I had like a press, a press badge, they'd be like pressing. Like they'd be like, yo, you can't get in. Da, da, da. But yo, I'm literally a lot of beer. Da, 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 da. It's like, yo, like <laughs> it's just kind of crazy. It's hard to wrap your brain around this. I get, I understand. But this is not CGI. This is not Photoshop. What you're seeing is real and how I tell the story is real. So literally a friend of mine was married to someone who won an Oscar. I was able to borrow the Oscar for the night. I then took that Oscar with 10 people to Vanity Fair's Oscar party. When I got there, they assumed, of course, Gatsby is an Oscar winner. Mind you, everyone knows me by this point. I'm not sure if you follow me on Instagram, but if you do, you can follow my story back for five years, bro. And from my second day in LA up until now, I have been at dinner with everybody. It's not a person who's famous I have not had dinner with at some point. Whether it be Robert De Niro, like literally Robert De Niro to Ralph Lauren to Leonardo DiCaprio to Kobe Bryant to Al Pacino to like everyone I've had a drink with, had dinner with. So it makes sense that he's an Oscar winner if I have an Oscar in my hand on Oscar night at Vanity Fair Oscar party. So the photographers, you're in media, right? Let's say you never knew my story, but you see me everywhere. Well, when you see me with an Oscar, you're going to say, congratulations. Yeah, that's true. 
You know what I'm saying? You have no reason not to say congratulations. You know what I'm saying? So everyone says congratulations. And mind you, I got Reese Witherspoon hugging me. So if you're the reporter, I got the Oscars Oscar night. Before you can say congratulations, Reese Witherspoon gives me a hug. And she says congratulations. What are you going to do? You're going to say congratulations. That's just the natural human thing to do. And that's how it happened. Did you like meet somebody at the Vanity Fair party that like help has helped your brand out like right now? Not in particularly because they all knew. Like I said, by the time I got to Vanity Fair, they had all thought I had already won the Oscar because they had seen me so many places. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So it wasn't. I because I get this question a lot. I get this question about the, the Jay Z story when I'm in Paris. People ask me, "Yo, when you're in Paris with Jay Z, did it seem weird? Like you're backstage with Jay Z?" No, because everyone knew me already. You see what I'm saying? Like, even though that was only Jay-Z's third time seeing me, everyone in the room was giving me a hug. So the brand was real. It was just this this scenario was very different. Speaking of Jay-Z, has he even give you has he given you like a like any good advice at all or any advice in general? No, we haven't spoke about it. That's interesting. That's why Monday is interesting, bro. You see. Here's the thing. However we got to this interview today, this will be the biggest interview for you and me come Monday. I'm going to speak this into existence when I get nominated. You see what I'm saying? Because when I get nominated, you will have the only interview of this whole story, the latest interview addressing these things. So everyone's going to go to your page to validate this story when they say, once the, 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 the nominees come out and they say, oh, who is Gatsby Randolph nominated? Well, now, the other four nominees, those probably are going to be from big studios. You already know what those movies are about. You don't know what my movie's about. You just know. You probably, most people at this point don't even know I'm actually up for a nomination. They have no idea. You know what I'm saying? So, but when they do see that it's nominated, everyone's going to be like, yo, Wayne, give me the lowdown. Give me the 401. Let me, you know what I'm saying? You're going to get so many people. Let me coach you on this. Let me coach you on this. So it's funny because going into that, Jay, I believe Jay-Z and whoever else is in the movie who hasn't just, you know, been busy, paid attention to it, maybe they're going to pay attention to it, you know, after that happens. Because I feel like at the nomination stage, now the world has to pay attention. Are you gonna be nervous at all? Because you recently seen like all these award shows kind of like screw over like just like indie independent. If you're not like in the club, then like in their like little circle, then you're not gonna get nominated. Like um, there's been a couple artists that just been snubbed for the Grammys this year that had huge success over the last year. Are you nervous about that at all, or are you just like no? Because because guess what? The nomination don't validate me, and this is the reason why I say that. Let's say, God willing, I win the Oscar, right? Let's say I win. If I win the Oscar, that would be amazing. But it will not be the most difficult thing in this journey that, had, that would have had to happen for me to get to this point right here where I'm at today. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, it's the most prevalent and relevant, relevant thing right now because this is where we are in the process. But let's say we looked at a task of one to 10, four years ago, to say, to get to this conversation, even with you. 
winning the Oscar would not be the most difficult thing. The reason being is people win Oscars every year for the last 93 years, okay? But what I had to do to make this movie has only happened once, not only in my lifetime, in the history of the movie making, okay? Now, a person may look at me and say, well, what do you mean by that? These are only facts. This is not my opinion. It's very hard for me to separate my biasness, but I just want to name facts. How rare is the movie? And I'm getting back to your original question of am I nervous, but I'm just giving you the context of why I'm not nervous. How rare is the movie? This is how rare the movie is. The story that the movie's about is a, let's start with L.A., it's 8 million people in LA, okay? In order to have this story with this movie, that means you would have had to go to Vanity Fair with the Oscar that wasn't yours, crash Vanity Fair with a camera crew, record a movie, and get distribution for that movie. That means you, that's one of, since I haven't heard any other movies like this, I think it's safe to say that's one of 8 million people in LA who's done that. Now, if you don't live in L.A. and you live in California, let's say it's 15 million people in California. That's one of 15 million people, because if you don't live in L.A., you definitely didn't do it because Vanity Fair only takes place in L.A., okay? Let's say America. Let's say it's in America, it's 3 billion people in America. This is one of 3 billion people. Well, if you don't live in America, you're somewhere else in the world where the Oscars doesn't happen, where Vanity Fair doesn't happen, where the party does not happen. How can you do it? So this is one of however many billion other people and stories are in the world. And the odds of that happening to me, a regular guy from Memphis, Tennessee, is very, very rare. That's much more rare than actually winning the Academy Award because people win Academy Awards every year. So that's why I'm saying I'm not nervous. It's got, whatever fate has and God has is going to happen. But it does not validate the story. See, the Oscars does not validate this story. It can enhance it. But this story can actually validate the Oscars to an audience that doesn't know what the Oscars are all about. So what do you want people to gain from this film? Like, do you see people like trying to copy you after they see this film? Like, what do you what do you want people to gain from this film? The main thing I want people to gain from is actually just be inspired. Be inspired to do, that's why I thought the most crucial part of the film is the last five minutes. When I break down to the audience how I actually did it. Because uh, the laughs and the fun and the glitz and glam, that's one thing. But you have to understand that one person with a few friends was able to do what most people on paper would have said is impossible. That's a lot like life no matter what you're out. It's not about Hollywood. It's not about Hollywood excuse me, it's not about Hollywood, it's not even about filmmaking. It's about the things that your imagination contrives to give you ideas are actually doable. And it's your actions that's going to lead you to the next step of where you need to go to, uh, to complete that. And then you look up 10 steps later and bam, you have something tangible that is inspiring the world. So that's my main thing is inspiration. You know what I'm saying? So like they say, this is for motivation purposes only. This is definitely what that film is about. 
what's next for you? Because you know you had you kind of the record dealer record deal f- fell through. Do you plan on going back to like managing music or uh, musicians or like starting your own record company? Like, what's next for you? Now, what's next is just more films. You know what I'm saying? I think this is where I excel the most. You know, a lot of people know even with this film, I edited this whole film myself. I wrote it, I edited it. You know, I directed half the scenes in it. So. I think for me, you know, acting and directing and just making being an all around filmmaker is is what I'm working on. So I've already started on part two. Uh, other than that, I got a couple of rom coms I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do one called PYT. PYT is uh, gonna be a, a remake of Pretty Woman, but it's gonna be like an urban version, you know. Um, so I got that coming up. So a few more other just cool rom coms. I just want to make these dope, funny lifestyle films for uh, you know ethnic people is there a certain person you want to work with like for these films man i got a long list but um i do have a long list but my favorites are i definitely want to do something with aaron sorkin uh i definitely want to on the writing tip uh i definitely want to do something with um denzel of course i want to work with denzel and um, and Holly Berry, Denzel, Holly Berry, I, and like I, I just have like, like we need a black Ocean's Eleven. We need a black heist film with the ensemble of great actors across the board, young and old. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to work. Nah, with, it would be dope. I want to work with Zendaya and Holly Berry in the same movie. You know what I'm saying? That's what that those are the type of uh, ambitions I have. Is there a certain person you haven't met yet that you really want to meet? You met like everybody. <laughs> you know, I want, well, it's certain conversations I want to have. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to ask Michael Jordan. I've met Michael Jordan before, but I want to ask him in a very relaxed conversation. When is the moment you knew that you were the best basketball player on earth? Because I think that represents so much of all of our individual journeys of recognizing when our greatness is there. So I want to talk to someone at that level of expertise and asking that. Me and Scotty Pippen are actually really cool. You know what I'm saying? He's a big, you know, big, you know, supportive of what I got going on and we hang out at the house. But and so even talking to Scotty, I've had very interesting conversations, just someone performing at that level of excellence. You know what I'm saying? But uh, that's one. I mean, and I've had some of those moments like. I always wanted to have certain conversations with Stevie Wonder because my favorite artist of all time. And I've had those conversations, you know what I'm saying, with him, you know what I mean? And it, it was, it was satisfying. I'm oh, talking about Stevie Wonder. Like, how did you pull that off with your parents going to go see him? Was it in Arkansas? Yeah. How, that how was did... just, the manifestation is real, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like, you know, uh, I mean, you know that, you know what I'm saying? I know you and your sister's story. So like the manifestation is so real. Like, I just love Stevie Wonder. I was such a Stevie Wonder fan. I just literally made him my uncle. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just turned him into my uncle. Like, from day one, from me ever meeting him, Uncle Stevie, Uncle Stevie. And then, like, it just kept happening, happening. And then one of my childhood friends became his drummer. And then when he became his drummer, he was like, oh, man, I got backstage past week. But by then, you know, he always already could recognize my voice. You know what I mean? And that was so satisfying to be able to do that for my parents because... It was the first time I got to experience a little bit of what I had been experiencing. 